Hello, um, welcome to a re-recording, I guess, of the new Parchy Perspective football podcast. There's been an awkward situation where we recorded an hour yesterday, and I guess it was because I did it without Wi-Fi, I, I don't know, but it seemed, it was weird because I, I like recorded it, saved it, and it said create a new episode, and... Um, I've gone back on the app and it seems nothing is saved. So a bit annoying. Um, maybe you could say a blessing in disguise because even though it was good, it wasn't, you know, polished, uh, I guess. So, you know, but at the end of the day, an hour spent with a good friend, an hour kind of constructing a structure of a podcast, I guess it's never wasted. It was a lovely day in a, in a field as well. It was a good conversation. But pretty much I'm just going to rehash what we talked about. So, yeah, um, please, if this is a sister podcast of the Selly Perspective podcast, so if you're interested in that, please check it out on Spotify, other podcasting platforms, and here on Anchor. And follow the Bucks Perspective content network Instagram page. If you're a fan, it still feels weird trying to plug that stuff. I've just started um, started that. Um, hopefully there's some more future projects. There's also some blogs out there as well that I'm going to be working on. So, uh, yeah, uh, what we're covering, we're doing like a season review of uh, the, you know, 20... 19-20 season, and um, from what I can remember as well, uh, we we did our Premier League eleven. We were talking about how many players we thought would get in f- that were not from Liverpool, Manchester City, and we predicted two, but there was three as well. So it's quite you know some people might find it quite controversial. Well, I wasn't really. I mean, the three players that got in were very good players, so it's not that controversial really. I think maybe the one or two people, though, however, would find one or two selections controversial, maybe. So we started in goal. Um, we talked about De Gea, Allison, or Edison. And we were saying De Gea didn't have the best season this season. But um, Allison as well, uh, had an amazing season. And Edison's very consistent. But we said De Gea this season just because of his prestige and his past few seasons uh, and how he's performed. You know, I think he's been Manchester United player of the year three or four years in a row. Could be wrong on that one, but I know he was in this turbulent period in Manchester United's history. He's been, you know, consistently player of the year. I mean, that shows Manchester United in terms of how much they've struggled if their goalkeeper has been player of the year. And not an attacking player. I mean, last year it was Luke Shaw, but before that it was all De Gea. Uh, but we said next year maybe we look at Alisson or Edison being in there. Uh, we played, it was weird, we kind of played a team with a system as well as the individual players. So we said right back Trent Alexander-Arnold, Carl uh, Walker would be up there. Shalkinsello, if he came in, would be up there, but we just gave it to Trent. You know, a guy who can, who's up and down, uh, a brilliant passing. Has over, I think he had twelve assists, eleven assists last season, and just had a great season. Um, then we had, I think Laporte's left footed, so we had Laporte and Van Dijk, 
and Laporte on the left because he's he's that foot left footed. Um, you know, obviously probably the two best centre backs in the league last season quite easily. Um, especially you know the hype around Van Dijk as well. Um, just you know, kind of complete centre backs can play with the ball, can dribble. You know, a tall. I think Laporte's six two, six three. Van Dijk six four, fast. Uh. You know everything you want in a modern day centre back. Left back we had we kind of had to come back to, Robertson or Mendy. Um, Archie suggested that Robertson was a very good player, but suit but suited the system very well and worked hard. With Mendy was naturally better. I said on merit. I I agreed that Mendy is a very very good player, very very good left back, but he hasn't had enough. He's been injured too much to kind of suggest to put him in the best left back in the Premier League, in my opinion. So after f- talking about that, I think we decided on Robertson. But I guess if we want to do a sub-bench, we'll definitely put Mendy there. Um, and also we suggest, I said, um, you know, we said Robertson top five left backs in the world. Not you made a suggestion. There's not many that good left backs at the moment. So, you know, interpret that how you will. Um... I was just so frustrating that none of us have recorded because it was it was a good chat, and you know he he got good opinions out there as well, and so you don't get to hear him say stuff. But you know, I guess this is a compromise on a challenging situation. We went we were gonna go four three four three three, but we decided to change it to four two three one. We went Fabinho Cante as you know, your holding midfielders, your your centre mids. Um, we were just like, no one's getting past that. You know, Fabinho had an impressive... He started slowly, but had an impressive season last season. He can pass, defend. He's versatile, could play right-back, centre-back, scores penalties. And then we had Kante, which, you know, and that, it might, we talked about how Kante plays better in a two than he does as, like, a anchor, like a holding six as a as a one in a in a three, if that makes sense. So, like, you know, when you've got the 4 three, three, and you have your defensive player... You know, I've seen him there, and he hasn't felt as comfortable, it looks like. But as a two, you know, for Leicester, when he played with Danny Drinkwater, he was the best player in the Premier League. Went to Chelsea, 32 million, which is an absolute bargain. Um, he was the best player on one... Yeah, no, he was probably the best player in the Premier League that season. When he played with Matic and Fabregas as well, who'd come in occasionally... And when he played for France in the World Cup, playing with Pogba, I think, in my opinion, I, I, there's not many uh, centre-midfield centre partnerships which work so well. Because, in my opinion, Pogba as well is the kind of player who you need to accommodate in a team, I think, if you were to play. So, for example, playing Pogba in a two, um, going backwards, I think, don't get me wrong, he's still very talented, can play a lot of long balls, but he's not as effective unless he's with a player who's very mobile in terms of the defensive work. So, like, a kind of player like Kante. Because in the World Cup, he played in two very, very well. He was probably one of, if not... Yeah, he was in France's probably top three or four players. Um, And I just remember one of the passes he played in the World Cup for Mbappe was just unbelievable like he was controlled as well so I think he needs a player like a, a Drissagay or a Kante uh, you know one of those players around him who just who are like two men in the midfield uh, 
if you want to play him in a two, or if you've got Matic for Man United, he's less versatile. So, you know, Pogba, you don't get the best part of Pogba then. So that if you want to get the best part of Pogba then, if you're playing players less versatile, then a Kante or just a Gale, or like an engine room in the midfield, you put him in a, le- in a, th- in a three-man midfield on the left, or you play him as a ten. But in my opinion, I think he's a, the best I've seen him is if you play him in two with someone like a Kante. Because he's up and down, he can pass because his range of passing is unbelievable, and um, you know he can be box to box because he can defend as well. You know he's a big guy. I think six three, six four, and he can obviously score goals and he could, he can control the midfield. He's very technically good and very graceful on the ball as well. But in this eleven, we haven't put him in. Uh, I like him as a player, sorry I've got a bit of hay fever, I like him as a player personally, I think he gets a lot of, he doesn't get the credit he deserves at United considering how much United have struggled and you know he's kind of pulled them out the hat because he, you know he can't do it all by himself, um, but that's going to be interesting to talk about the transfers, where, where they're going to go. Uh, I think he'll probably stay at United because he's got to be like 150, 200 million. I don't think Juventus or... I mean, Juventus have signed Rabia and Ramsey. I don't think... And Ramsey was 400k a week. I don't think they'll spend that much money on a player and put Ramsey in 400k a week. I mean, that's reported, to be fair, on the bench. And Real Madrid have spent, what, 250, 300 million? I mean, I think personally Pogba would sue Madrid massively, but I don't think they would pay that much in this window. So I think he'd stay United. But he's not made this team so far. And the controversial thing, this is probably controversial, uh, the the three kind of attacking midfielders were Bernardo Silva, Kevin De Bruyne and Raheem Sterling. And I know a lot of you'd be like, where's Mane, where's Salah? Um... I put De Bruyne a 10, because in my opinion, even when Hazard was in the league, he was the best player in the Premier League. Uh, he could do everything, he's creative. He could play as an 8, and you know he can dictate plays. He's got a, a marvellous range of passing. But also as well, you know he's fast, skillful. He, he's kind of big as well for, for a 10. Um, he's like 5'11", I think. Um, he's fast. Uh, I've already said he's fast. He could shoot. As well, he's got a good shot on him. Yeah, I think he's like a complete midfielder. Oh my god, my hay fever's not good, guys. <laughs> and yeah, so I think if you're playing at ten, he could control the midfield. Um, and Bernardo Silva on the left of that, and I think you can alternate the wingers just because, in my opinion, or in our opinion, me and Archie's opinion, he's. One of the best players last season, and he would just get better. Like he was so good. when I when I saw that Man City got him for like forty forty five million pounds, I was like, man, the signing for the summer easily. He's is so good. He's just so technically skillful. And what surprised me is weird because when he was at Monaco, he was a right midfielder, cut inside, and now he's an eight, like a sentiment who just works hard. Like I remember, works really hard. I mean, I remember when he he played Liverpool. And he covered 12 kilometres or miles. I can't remember if it was kilometres or miles. But I remember he would cover the most of the pitch and he would just defend as well. And the thing is, he's so technically gifted. He can control the pitch. He's like David Silver. He will be like David Silver. 
I think he will be there for years to come. And, you know, De Bruyne and Bernardo Silva will just be unbelievable this season and next season. I think David Silva will probably play less games, though he's still very good as well. But, you know, he... Um, and also in an 11, I can imagine he'd be really good anyway. You put, you put him really... And then we put Sterling. I know a lot of people will be like, Salah, you know, best player in the last two seasons, arguably... I mean, last season, maybe not categorically the best player, but in the, his first season, he probably was definitely the best player. Um, <coughs> oh, my God. Um, but we put Sterling in there because he, he off the ball, we think he's unbelievable. And he, contrib- he contributes to a lot of important goals as well. Like, I remember there was one stage, I think it was the beginning of 2017-18, where he scored the equaliser against Everton and the winner against Bournemouth. And he would just contribute the winning goals. He would cut all the equalising goals. He would contrib- you know how some players contribute really important goals? They're just Without those goals, they wouldn't have got the points they got in that game. He's very much like that. He gets on the end of crosses, which a lot of people might say a lot of his goals are tap It's his movement. You see his movement, like... You know, when you got a replay of like a bird's eye view, it's unbelievable. It's it's gotta be top three or four players off the ball movement in the box in the world. I'm calling it. Like it's like Ronaldo. Ronaldo was and probably still is to a degree the best player off the ball, in my opinion. Like he would you know, you'd see him make the runs, you'll see him analyse the situation and he'll get in the best position to score a header or a tap in and it was just like you could just see in his head how his head was moving. I think Sterling is up there as well because, you know, you see his movement and how he gets such relatively straightforward tap ins and you're like wow, like because if you if you look at Man City team, you know, Sterling has a lot of competition and the fact he's probably the most impactful player in terms of goals and even assists he's up there as well proves you know how intelligent he is as a player I mean I know he gets a lot of you know what's the word because this is a non-explicit podcast by the way just saying <laughs> it's funny because like Archie almost swore a few times so you know we want to keep it PG for everyone uh what was, what was I saying oh yeah a lot of people give him uh, don't give him the credit I, my opinion deserves even in the World Cup when he was playing when England were playing a, a three or five it depends how you, how you judge it and then it would be a f- uh, let's say five three one one for argument's sake because they were wing backs and you know it was I liked that, that formation because you had two eights in Deli Alley and Lingard who would like work hard backwards but push on Henderson, the engine room in midfield, he had the two wing-backs who were mostly Trippier and Young. But, you know, I, I don't think Young is the best wing-back. But, you know, he did the job. But the thing is with Sterling as well, he would... Yeah, he missed one or two opportunities. He fluffed his lines one or two times. But his off-the-ball running was, like, you know, exceptional. It was under... It was... I don't want to say he was underrated. No, uh, <laughs> he it was underplayed how good it was, and it really made space for people like Kane and Lingard, and because he set up Lingard's goal against Panama, uh, it was it, he kind of was he's very selfless as well, um, because he's still very technically good. He could be like, no, I'm one of England's best players. I want to play on the wing and you know get my best skill set out there. But he's like, he took he took a role for the team. 
did a lot off the ball running because he, he, he's just such a good player, Raheem Sterling. Uh, I think it could, I mean, he probably is top five in the Premier League because he's very impactful. I think, you know, maybe in the talent wise, you could say there's other players maybe potentially more talented than him, but like in terms of how he plays, he's probably, you know, top five players in the Premier League at this moment in time. And then striker, we had a debate between Aguero and Kane. We went for Kane uh, the last few seasons, even though it's very close with Aguero. I said, he's, uh, Archie said Kane was a selfish player, and I said he was a very selfless player. That was an interesting debate because he said, you know, he takes penalties, takes free kicks. He saw him once say to Ericsson, say, oh, I'm taking this free kick. Uh, but I was like, even when he does a score, he comes back and holds at the pool and, and pass, and his passing's very. You know, accurate as well for a player who doesn't get that much credit for uh for his passing, and yeah, even I remember there's times where he doesn't score, but he still contributes massively to the to the whole team. But anyway, we played because also as well, if you look at the system with the three players behind him as well, like Kane would be so good with those three players behind him. So yeah, we we made we made that team, you know, four two three one. We had um, De Gea, Trent, Alexander Arnold. Uh, Van Dijk, Laporte, Robertson, uh, Fabinho, and Kante, centre mid, De Bruyne. Um, how do you say that, by the way? De Bruyne or De Bruyne? I like to say De Bruyne because I just think, I don't know, it's a. It's a. Uh, what's it? Flounders pronunciation. Uh, that's the Dutch part of Belgium. I thought it would have been De Bruyne, but. Um, Raheem Sterling and Bernardo Silva as your attacking mids and Harry Kane up top. Um, Talked about also who might be going down as well because we talked about some of the transfers and we were like Newcastle at this moment in time have sold uh, well the two best strikers one have gone back alone to West Brom and they haven't signed back and I don't know if they're going to sign him back and Isley Perez as well has gone for 35 minutes which in my opinion Alright, it's his release clause. He played really well last season. I do like him as a player. But he had, like, all of his goals in a certain amount of games at the end of the season. I don't think he's worth 35 million, but he could prove me wrong. He's 25, 26. You know, I think Leicester need another striker. I think they've tried to sign a lot of strikers that haven't worked, unfortunately. And Vardy's kind of kept it up at his age. Uh, He could be that kind of... Because Leicester tend to... Like to play a nine, uh, four four two. Um, I don't know if they do as much under Brendan Rodgers. I don't know if they will as much under Brendan Rodgers. But I think Ozzy Perez could be a good fit in his style of play. I'm just thinking, would he be as good as he was last season? You know, I don't, I don't know, I don't think so. But it could be wrong. It could be he could have had a renaissance under a really good manager because he's been there for years. Remember, and he could. Oh my God, my nose. Oh, I apologise, guys. My hay fever is not great. And it could, under Brendan Rodgers, and in that a very exciting Leicester team, in my opinion, by the way, you know, push on uh, and be, you know, a very talented player who gets a, a decent amount of goals and assists. And then, so, and Raf is going, my, we were looking at it, we were like, at this point in time, it looks like Newcastle will probably go down. Unless they employ, employ a very good manager, which they probably won't get as good as Rafa Benitez, and make some really smart signings as well and to the system. Because their system, 
I'll be on what you were talking about. He was talking about how they play when he went to Brighton. They played uh, like a five at the back, and it worked really well, and the system worked well for them. And they said, but that game kept Brighton up because he was talking about Brighton as well. Um, I think he thought they would stay up. Uh, I'm not sure. But, you know, they got a new manager, Graham Potter, and they said that Chris Hewton took... Because I asked him about Chris Hewton, and he said took them as far as he could. So I was like, yeah, that's probably fair. You know, Chris Hewton could get you survival in the Premier League. I don't think he's going to... At this moment in time, it could, it could be wrong. I don't think he's going to push for Europa League, for example. And they'll talk about how the players that they brought in didn't have Premier League experience, but they came from, like, the Dutch League or the Belgian League, which obviously not on the same level as the Premier League and other top leagues. So, yeah, we'll talk about that. Um, did we talk about Man City next season? I think... I mean, Man City just signed Rodri, which is, in my opinion, a very good signing. Like, Busquets-esque. You know, you can, it's defensive and at the same time, very good in the ball. So, you know, they needed another six and a holding midfield. And they probably, with the, with the release clause as well, probably got near enough, as good as they could. Um, Liverpool probably won't be the same next season. Tottenham are going to be very interesting to sign Tungon Ondimbele. Um, very good two-way midfielder. They're looking at uh, Caballos at loan uh, as well. He's he's a good player as well. Uh, he doesn't get the chance in Madrid. If you just get him on loan as well, like and Giovanni Lo Celso, who was Betis's best player last season, PSG let him go for twenty five mil because of the loan contract. They're struggling to negotiate on, uh, you know, Tottenham signing him. They're struggling to negotiate on the fee, but imagine that midfield. I mean, I'd wonder how you'd get. I mean, they're probably. I think they're going on the basis they're selling Ericsson, but I'd wonder how you get Son. Deli Ali and Kanan probably play a four three one two, and provide the whips with with provide the width, sorry with the fullbacks. Um, I don't, I, I, but I guess if you're signing the Celso and Caballos and you've signed Undombele, you would probably assume you're selling Ericsson to maybe a Madrid. Um, but yeah, I just it's just a shame really. We had a really good uh, conversation. It would it. Doing a podcast is weird sometimes. Like, you kind of get off topic. Uh, it was a love... Because we did get off topic a lot, and it was weird, because we were talking, and I was like... It went down a direction which wasn't as connected to the topic. But then, I don't know how long we talked, but my uh, podcast recording just went off, because it was it reached... I think on Anchor, you could do hour-long segments, and it reached that hour... But, yeah, we talked about topics outside of football, which, unfortunately, I can't remember, but it kind of related to football as well. Um, it So, yeah, hopefully next time <clears throat> might go to a place with Wi-Fi and record it there. It'll just be easier. I mean, it's not the first time I've struggled uh, with the whole logistics of recording a podcast. I'm still kind of getting used to the app. This is the fourth podcast I would have recorded. Um, so, yeah, sorry this isn't as good as what it could have been. Hopefully you enjoyed my uh, out, uh, input on football and what uh, my attempt to try and rehash what we talked about yesterday. Uh, I'd have to message Archie about 
how it didn't record, but how I've put this one out. Next time it'll be me and Archie and a, and a banter still be there. There was a lot of good banter there. Maybe that's uh, in my opinion because you know you, how you get friends who've had the, uh, you know, with me. I I don't think they were inside jokes, but you know how banter works between some friends, but other people wouldn't get it. So I don't know there. Uh, I apologise for my blot nose and my throat as well. You know, hay fever season. Uh, it's weird. You know what? I've had the podcast before where I was just talking into a phone and I thought it was so strange. And at this time, I didn't actually think it was strange until now where I, I ramble on and I do ramble on a lot. And I, I remember my first one, I was like, okay, I've got to end this now. <laughs> so I, I will genuinely end this now. Um, so, yeah, it's been almost 25 minutes. I hope you enjoyed. So um, apologies about, you know, how, how it's not, how it wasn't as, as it was planned. But I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. Please follow the Bucks Perspective content network on Instagram. Uh, trying to build up a page there. And if you haven't, please listen to the Sally Perspective uh, podcast on Spotify and other good uh, podcasting platforms, as well as Anchor, of course. And yeah, hopefully we'll see you next time. Okay, thank you. Goodbye.